generally what helps build joint resiliency is things like accessory work, unilateral work, isolation work, uh, isometric work, tempo work. And you can mix that in with your heavier stuff if you wanted to, right? So like you might do, okay, I'm going to do heavy back squats, right? But instead of doing 10 sets of three, right? Maybe we do five sets of three. So you're still getting your the push your CNS needs. And then maybe you do some sort of superset where it's like, okay, you got relatively heavy tempo front squats. You take a short rest and then you have to do a sandbag bear hug reverse lunges and then you do that into wall balls or like a wall sit with like very very short rest and then you backlog your rest at the end hey it's ben wise and this is the fitness movement fitness movement is brought to you by Zor Fitness. Zor Fitness is my company and my platform to deliver training content to coaches and athletes like you. The site has educational resources on everything from program design and exercise physiology to skill progressions and movement breakdowns. And in terms of programming, we have our online training program, The Protocol, and I also offer one-on-one remote coaching. It's all at one place, ZorFitness.com. The following conversation is part of an article that I recently published called Building Squat Strength for Athletes with Cranky Knees. In this article, I talk about the realities of knee pain in the sport of CrossFit, the factors that actually lead to people having cranky knees, principles for navigating knee irritation, which we actually talk about and cover in this podcast. And finally, you can actually see some program design that I do in video version of writing a program for an athlete who's trying to build squat strength specifically. This is a CrossFit athlete, and again, they're dealing with some knee pain and irritation and how I go about navigating that as a coach. So if you want to be able to view that spreadsheet, actually see me go through the process of how I think about and program for an athlete who's dealing with knee irritation, be sure to check out the article. Go to zorfitness.com slash podcast slash 069, and I'll be sure to link to it there. I'll also link to it in the show notes and in the YouTube description. Now, let's get into the show. In this show, we want to talk about building squat strength for athletes with cranky knees. And this is something that I think you and I have both dealt with a little bit in the past. And it's something that, um, yeah, certainly we've had athletes who are navigating not injuries or things like that. I mean, obviously we've had athletes dealing with injuries, but like more so just like in the day to day, this conversation is going to be around like, okay, these are your priorities. And sometimes if you don't, you know, in kind of chasing those priorities, you get these knee flare-ups or um, they get irritated, right? Cranky for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. So uh, we want to talk about some of the principles and stuff that we've seen just sort of our experience with like, again, with ourselves and our own bodies, but then also with our, our athletes that we're working with, like, you know, what things can we do to continue to increase squat strength specifically um, while also dealing with some knee irritation that just happens with, you know, chasing down those goals. So we have a number of principles that we kind of want to walk down through, um, but we're going to have sort of just like an open dialogue about it. Are there any like themes or patterns that you've seen from the athletes that you've worked with that it's like, this is sort of the avatar athlete who's dealing with like knee irritation? Yeah. I mean, I think when you talk about knee irritation, I think more, most common, it's almost like like a knee tendonitis, right? That pain you get right on the top of the kneecap or, you know, right, right underneath the kneecap. And it's kind of 
I, I think it's something where as you come up through the sport and it's not something that people talk about a lot, it's like, you're going to have to deal with that at some point. And that's kind of like, you know, the cost of doing business for lack of a better term, but where people get it wrong is, and I think you mentioned this in the article, it's like, oh, my knees hurt. Well, I have to get stronger at, squ- at squatting. Let's just keep squatting instead of listening to their body and saying, okay, my knees hurt. I know I still need to do this pattern, but what can I do to limit this knee pain? Because then what happens is people change their squat patterns to avoid the pain. I've gone through this, right? Like I have like little baby chicken quads. And so I squat a ton to try to maximize what I have going on. And there's been, there's been many times where it's like, ah, oh, my knees are kind of bothering me. And you know, this is years ago at this point, cause I think I'm a little bit smarter now, but it was just like, well, but I got a squat. So let's just keep squatting. And then the next thing you know, my numbers plateau or go backwards. And it's not because my muscles aren't necessarily getting stronger, but my pattern stinks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is what happens a lot. And I've, I've definitely experienced that too. If you're someone who really cares about your performance deeply as an athlete and you're like, well, this is what I need to do to get better. It's really easy to just be like, you know, I'm just going to pound this wall down and we're going to figure it out. Um, But as you said, like, if you just keep doing that and it's like, you know, it's like, man, my knee doesn't feel great today, but I got these percentage work and I'm just, I'm going to hit it. Cause you know, <laughs> I'm trying to get as best as I can. Uh, and I think that's, there's times where that mindset can be helpful. Sure. But the thing is, it's hard to know because you might also just be doing damage to yourself or like kind of creating those, um, yeah, like ingraining a pattern that's suboptimal. So like mm-hmm. you, you could just be squatting in a, in a slightly different pattern than you're used to. And all of a sudden, if you do that for two months in a row, like you're saying, like my positions are now worn down and my squat looks like, like garbage. And it's like, man, this is just contributing to how I'm, I'm feeling overall and I'm not getting stronger. I'm not adapting the way I want to want to. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's certainly a challenge. So like if someone's dealing with that and they're, they're at the point where they're like, man, I don't feel great, but I still need to squat heavy. Like if, if you're, you know, say I'm, I'm an athlete that you're coaching and, you know, I come to you and I say that it's like, Hey, I, I really need to continue to hammer this, this strength work, but man, I just don't feel like I'm having good positions. Just my knees are not feeling great. Like wh- where do you go first? Yeah. So I think the first thing I would look at is, and again, right. We talked about this can, it can be the, the cost of doing business. Right. And what I mean by that is where are you at in your cycle? Right. And so like if my knees just started to feel a little cranky, right? But next week I hit a deload, it's like, you're fine. You're going to yeah. be okay. You're going to live, right? But if, I'm, if I've am if i written out a 12-week block, let's just say skeleton four, and I got a competition at the end of it. And in week four, like I got like, my knees are killing me. Then it's like, all right, we got to really adjust things here. Whereas if I'm in week 11 and you know, I got a, a week, a week and a half deload, and then I hit this competition. Then it's like, all right, you know what? At that point in time, your volume theoretically should be coming back anyways, and your intensity should be high. So your knees will probably start to feel better anyways. Yeah. Um, Man, so knowing that is huge. Yeah. So to me, I think this is very similar to like any feedback you'd get from an athlete where it's like, you know, if I have someone come to me and they're like, hey, I feel like garbage, and they're not necessarily talking about their knees, just like in general, I feel like garbage right now. Yeah. If I go in and look at their design and it's like, oh, well, we're deloading you next week. It's like, hey, finish out these next three days strong and we'll we'll take that deload. Yeah. Um, and if it's something where it's like, man, we're just getting back in hard training, like, yeah, you probably are going to be sore because we just upped your sure. volume a lot. And yep. it's like, you know what, let's let's kind of stay the course with this for a little bit and just sort of see how you feel. Then again, it's sort of, you know, 
you, you just you don't necessarily change anything and you just have a little bit more awareness about where you're at but i do think there's other times where it's like oh you shouldn't be feeling like that at this point sure. in the cycle or this point in your season or whatever right if they're mm -hmm. in more of an off-season phase and their knees are really hurting it's like well you know we're in the middle of this cycle maybe we should back it off for a week or like sure. you know figure out another way that we can attack this rather than just yeah like pouring fire on it yeah and i think that's where your principles come in right and so in the article you outline you know, track and limit volume, spread out your doses, target a specific quality, limit other knee flexion movements and conditioning settings, do your accessories and unilateral work, uh, do mobility and soft tissue work, and then sleep well and eat clean. And so when I kind of looked at those, I kind of, and, and this is, you know, very overarching, but I kind of put those in two buckets, right? One bucket is uh, volume and intensity based, and one is, is recovery based, right? And so I find that for I'll say newer athletes or maybe athletes who haven't uh, you know, been refined in the crucible of CrossFit training, right? It's like they just don't have the tissue tolerance, right? And this is assuming they have decent movement patterns. And I say decent because we all, there are, I can't say all, but many people have aspects they can improve in their squat. And so, you know, if you're really, really brand new, maybe it's just because you move like crap, but let's just take that. That's not most of our audience, right? So let's take that out of the equation. And so assuming you have decent movement quality and you've been participating in the sport, it could just be tissue tolerance, right? You're just not used to all that volume. You're not used to all that squatting. And so what we have to do at that point is get your body used to it, but do start it in a setting that doesn't beat up your joints as much. And so generally what helps build joint resiliency is Things like accessory work, unilateral work, isolation work, uh, isometric work, tempo work. And you can mix that in with your heavier stuff if you wanted to, right? So like you might do, okay, I'm going to do heavy back squats, right? But instead of doing 10 sets of three, right? Maybe we do five sets of three. So you're still getting your the push your CNS needs. And then maybe you do some sort of superset where it's like, okay, you got relatively heavy tempo front squats, you take a short rest, and then you have to do a sandbag bear hug reverse lunges. And then you do that into wall balls or like a wall sit with like very, very short rest. And then you backlog your rest at the end, right? So you can recover and keep going. But you see how I combine tempo single leg and then either isometric or a lightweight uh, crossfit specific movement so you're still getting better at the sport you're still getting your heavy touches and you're still building volume but again in a way that doesn't beat your joints up as much so for for people newer to the sport i kind of find that tends to be more of the issue and then for more experienced athletes again assuming movement quality is there it's more recovery based where it's like oh you know i haven't done any you know i haven't mashed my quads in a week and a half and it's like well we do a lot of squatting your quads are probably pretty tight like they should probably get some release or like uh you know one of my athletes specifically she might complain about a shoulder or a knee issue and the first question i ask is are you eating enough and it's like often the answer is no right specifically yeah. specifically with carbs it's like her body's just pulling from everywhere and so, and so her recovery is poor. And so I find with more experienced athletes, it's like, okay, our tissues can theoretically handle the volume, yeah, but not unless you treat them the right way.
So right. I kind of find that that's usually where people fall is in one of those two. Yeah. From personal experience, I find myself there a lot where like I've in the past, I've done like a lot of volume on things. I've done a lot of squatting, a lot of, a lot of everything, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so it's like when I usually like to, yesterday was like a great example. Like I squatted like four times, like with like four different pieces in my, my training day. Now I'm not sure. squatting like, you know, the day before the day after, but at the same time, it's like, I, you know, if I don't feel great, like I would fully expect myself to not feel hundred percent. Like, sure. you know, I, I'm not necessarily going to get to the point where like, I'm super like messed up and like, I'm so sore that I can't walk or something, but it's like, my joints will just kind of get angry at me for doing that. So it's some, one of those things that like, yeah, I can push through, but it's also like at like what cost in terms of like, I'm not going to be able to get as much quality training in over the next several days after this, as I would, if I was just a little bit less, a little bit more conservative and just like took a more like long-term approach in, in like how I think about things. Um, so I think for a lot of people, it's just as simple as like, Hey, let's load you in a smart way that we can, you know, add some of these alternative ways of like, not just again, just, you know, squatting super heavy all the time. And then, um, you know, being mindful about, you know, how you, how you actually like, you know, put in accessory work and I don't know, just being a little bit more cognizant and cerebral about how you do things rather than just being like, you know what, this is the sport. So I got to squat every day. Yeah. And um, that's, and that's the tough part where like, I feel like a lot, especially when it comes to strength, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people talk about like up and down days, right. And so, or like an undulating program. And what happens is most in that respect, a lot of people will a on the days they're looking to get strong and do squatting. They don't put enough volume on that mm, day right and and then in the next days they're still squatting and so it's like you haven't given yourself a chance to recover and so it's like yeah you could actually be doing more of it on that day and then maybe you don't squat for two days and yeah. that's okay so i think this is a really good point that, that we could get into i think it depends on what type of athlete you're dealing with and like what the priorities are but again we're talking right. about someone who's squat strength limited or if you're squat strength limited, that's no different than if you have a, you know, you're a, so for example, like say I have a female athlete and she, her upper body just isn't up to, up to par in terms of like strength, like uh, mm -hmm. pressing and pulling, like mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to have her train like muscle ups back to back days. Like, why would sure. that make any sense? Like, well, I'm not even going to have her doing any, you know, upper body pulling back to back. Like sure. I'm going to give you like a, a stronger dose on one day and then give you a longer period of time to recover. And that's going to be like more like lend itself more to hypertrophy and strength qualities and not just like getting good at CrossFit because you haven't really earned the right yet to just, you know, for example, if there's someone who's just working on their squat strength, like you haven't earned the right yet to go and do thrusters one day, wall balls the next day, uh, squat cleans the next day in your workouts, because it's like your priority is to get those stronger legs. If you want stronger legs, right. you need to be putting a lot of emphasis on that. And the, I think, a, like you're saying, like a good way to do that is if you put more of the volume into one specific session and then give yourself a period of time, maybe it's 48 or 72 hours kind of off from that, where your joint can get a break. Sure. Yep. I totally agree. So that's something that I specifically think about when I'm doing this for myself or another athlete that is, again, I'm trying to improve their squats. They're dealing with stuff. I basically just, the first thing I go to is like, try to limit the amount of squatting or like, yeah, really deep knee flexion. Um, 
movements that they're getting and just conditioning, which is one of our principles here. So um, is that something where you just would rather, you know, for example, if they are just driving up strength, just let the goal be the goal and like continue to do that. Or do you still try to figure out ways around, you know, for example, like people could always be training thrusters and wall balls. Do you mm-hmm. think they just take a break from that? Or is there a way that they can be more intelligent about that? Like what, how do you approach that? Yeah, I think assuming we're, you know, assuming we're looking at an intermediate to, you know, a pretty good athlete, right? Not, not elite level, but someone who, who is, is someone would walk, someone who could walk into your local CrossFit gym and be like, oh, that guy or that girl is like one of the best in the gym. Right. Yeah. So someone who falls in that category you can get stronger. And this is the cool thing about CrossFit is you can get stronger and still do those things in a conditioning piece. But you have to, like you said, do it intelligently, right? So one school of thought would be to do it all in the same day. Um, so you're just, saying heavy squats and then wall balls afterwards in a Metcon. Correct, right? Okay. That's one way to do it. For some folks, uh, and I actually fall into this category, is like I can't do it in a true conditioning piece and maximize strength. My body can only, at least from what I've seen, really only adapt to one yeah. stimulus at a time. Yep. Whereas other people, you know, it might be more movement pattern based. And so if that, if you're more like me, it might say, okay, today's a strength day, right? Or a strength session. If you're doing two sessions a day, yeah. if you're doing two sessions a day, you should definitely break them, break them up, right? Yeah. And so if you're doing two sessions, I think you can do an AM piece, let's just say where it's, you know, heavy back squats, strength focused. And then if you're working out three, four hours later, you can do like a wall ball Metcon and be okay. Right. But if it's in the same session, you're probably better off giving yourself at least 48 hours in between and then monitoring the volume. Right. And so like, and so like you could do 50 wall balls in a Metcon and make it super hard. And really in the grand scheme of things, 50 wall balls is not a lot of volume, right? Especially if it's spread out. And then another thing you could do is put it in more of what I call like an aerobic setting, right? And so if you're doing intervals, again, monitoring the volume, but let's say I have 50 thrusters across a workout, but they're in an every four minute format and it, you know, I want it to be two minutes on, two minutes off. It's not going to be as demanding on the central nervous system. And so you're going to be able to recover yeah more easily. So those are, I know I kind of went over a bunch of different ones and it's like the classic, like, what should I do? Well, it depends. Right. And, but it's always going to be that, but I think those are some principles, right? You know, I'm a firm believer where if someone's goal is to get better at CrossFit to wholly and solely and totally eliminate something is not a good idea. Because man, I feel like that's true for the more advanced athlete, but I think it's also true for the beginner. Like they're probably the person who can really benefit from doing some focused, whatever work, like focused Olympic lifting work, focused squat strength work, focused ring mm-hmm. muscle up work and like doing all these things in isolation. But from, I, I would guess it's both of our experiences. We've seen so many people who have like all the pieces, but they can't put them together Correct. and yeah, do the thing. Right. Which like CrossFit is mixed. Like that's what it is. So yeah. That's why you have to have the key is to have touches, right? And so each mm. cycle I go into, there are priorities where it's like, all right, we are going to work on, let's say these three to four things. Like we have to work on these things to get better at the sport. And so we're doing these things at least once a week, every single week. And then I have a concept, right? And so it's like, all right, I want aerobic based conditioning on this day. 
Um, and so let's make sure we touch on as many things as humanly possible within those days, right? So this way it's you don't get into a situation where it's like I've been so focused on strength work that I haven't done a bar muscle up in six months, right? And so and it's like even people who are good at the sport, right? You have an elite level athlete they're still going to be better than everyone else at bar muscle ups, but that's not who they're measuring themselves against, right? They're measuring themselves against the elite. And even they can't go that long with just not doing a movement, right? You have to at least on it so that. And that's probably one of the tough things. That's probably one of the tough things too, about like, if you're someone who only has, you know, five, six sessions a week, like it's, it's hard to fit in all the priorities and still get really good at the sport just because it's like, and you like, again, this, this goes back to like, well, you might not have the resources or like the the ability to be able to adapt to all those things. But then also it's like, well, you're just not hitting all those skills. So you're just never going to stay crisp on them. And kind of, again, there's just so much that you can learn just by doing the thing that mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, a lot of people miss that. And just like going after the things that like they see as like weakness weaknesses and they need to work on. So yeah. And so I, I think to answer the original question, I think you don't necessarily need to eliminate squatting in conditioning, Yeah, but maybe what you would eliminate is what I would consider squatting based conditioning. So it's like Mm. conditioning pieces where the main focus is to build, whether it be muscle endurance, you know, uh, schemes in your, in your lower body where it's like, okay, it's very demanding on my, on my squat pattern. Right. And so it's like, there's a big difference between doing, you know, 50 wall balls or 50 thrusters in a workout, you know, in an interval setting or a long AMRAP versus, you know, I did 150 wall balls and I also did some squats and some standing biker on a workout, right? That's going to build a lot of muscle endurance in those local muscle groups, but that is going to most likely conflict with your strength work. Yeah. So maybe like a good way to think about this would be like, if you have a, a squat priority, pick one specific quality of that squat that you want to improve. Mm-hmm. So in the example we're giving here, it was someone who's working on squat strength. So mm-hmm. let that be the priority for that pattern. And again, don't push that priority more than maybe every 48 or every 72 hours. But mm-hmm. then when you, yeah, when you have something, you know, a different day, this shouldn't be the exact same pattern again, like give that pattern a break. You can mm-hmm. still use that pattern, but use it as like a, you know, a subcomponent of like going after something else. So like you said, like, okay, maybe you drive, you know, say Monday is a priority day. You drive your squat strength numbers, your Tuesday, which might be a focal point of like, you were saying like aerobic intervals could work really well. There doesn't mean that you can't do thrusters or can't do wall balls there, but that shouldn't be like, Oh, I'm going to hammer those movements. It should be like the, the, the thing that gets taxed the most should be the aerobic system. If you're doing aerobic day. So that could be, gymnastics on a bar it could be doing bar facing burpees it could be doing some wall balls but again it's not like you're going to be squat limited in that in that piece yeah totally agree yep and that's generally kind of a, the format i follow with with most of my athletes who fall into this bucket yeah i agree i think if people take the time to plan out their weeks and i think that's probably one of the big things if someone's taking care of their own training and they're they're in the situation where they're like, well, I have all these things I want to get better at. And by the time they look back at their week, they didn't really have a set, uh, you know, like skeleton or like, mm-hmm. these are my priorities that I have on these days. I'm going to hold to this. Um, and they're not really going through set progressions. And it's more of a, 
oh, like, let's let's throw this in this day and throw this in this day. And all of a sudden, like, you realize that, oh, I've been doing the exact same thing. And I'm not really having one specific quality that I'm chasing. And I'm just sort of like, you know, getting distracted by all the stuff that I could be doing because there's so many things that you can be doing in the sport. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, stay focused on the stuff that you need to work on. Yeah. Yep. Cool, man. Um, any other advice for people who are dealing with some knee pain that they're they're trying to to navigate it or they're trying to do it on their own? Do you have any advice for them? Um, get a coach and read Ben's article. <laughs> That's about it. I mean, uh, you laid out the principles so well. Um, and like I said, a lot of it is it depends, right? What works best for you, and you know, you're gonna figure that out over time and by trial and error. But I think having that third party to like you said or like we talked about in the beginning be like oh no no it's okay for you to feel this way or hey you know let's make some adjustments so that your knees can heal up um i think having that person uh, is super helpful so those are my uh two two words of wisdom at the end of the at the end of this yeah i i mean man having somebody there that's gonna just be like oh like your knees are hurting but like it's okay right now we can push through this it's like super like i was like oh okay great but also <laughs> like also like you can have the person where it's like okay we can back off a little bit and you don't feel bad at like you're being soft on yourself either yeah yep, so yep, i yep. think if nothing else like even if you're someone who's educated i think having someone other than you who cares about your performance is only ever a helpful thing um don't do it alone no way hey man thanks for doing this today yeah thanks for having me ben Hey, it's Ben again. Thanks for listening today. To be completely honest, it's been really rewarding to have people who listen to the show regularly reach out to me, whether they have a question about training or just to say, hey. So if you haven't done that yet, do it. I'm pretty good about getting back to people and you can feel free to email me, ben at sorefitness.com or message me on Instagram at sorefitness. And graciously, I've had some people reach out to me and ask how they can support the show. Number one way that you can support the show if you are a regular listener is just by rating the show. Most apps have a platform where you can actually rate it, and on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review as well. This is super helpful in having other coaches and athletes find the podcast, but also just having it grow and for me to continue to want to put out more and more content. Also, I'm going to be posting more full episodes of the Fitness Movement to our YouTube channel. So if you're someone who actually enjoys seeing my face when I talk, you can head over to YouTube and subscribe if you please. And if you're someone who is watching on YouTube, you have the ability to like our videos, but then you can also comment on the video if you have questions about the episode or if you want to suggest a topic for a future episode. And lastly, if you're someone who really does value what we're putting out, I would encourage you to hire a coach. For me, coaching is the bulk of my job and it's what I believe I do best. So if you're an athlete or a coach looking to up your fitness game, be sure to reach out. You can message me on Instagram at Zor Fitness or email me ben at ZorFitness.com. Thanks again for listening today. And as always, stay the course.